Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, good morning, Love City Church. I'm so happy you're here with us this morning. Thank you for letting us join you in your home today at Church Online. I just got to say, we can't wait to be together here in Cardell Theater uh, as one body. Amen. I'm just happy you're here today and uh, with us. So uh, we're going to get into the Word today. We're going to jump right in. Today's an interesting day where we're talking about thriving and not surviving in our relationships not just marriages, but marriages, neighbors, family, friends. God just really began to speak to me uh, during this season of COVID um, about relationships. And honestly, this message comes from uh, personal, just our, my personal experience during COVID. But let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 8 to 12. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 to 12. And it says this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Funnily enough, that word tender-hearted means uh, be, have soft bowels. <laughs> so it actually means don't let your bowels be hard. <laughs> it means to feel in the depths of your bowels, just to be soft, uh, soft-hearted, tender-hearted, and keep humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will, listen, grant you a blessing. And then he says this, for the scripture says, I use scripture to reinforce his thought like we're doing this morning. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, come on, somebody, let me say that again. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace. Pursue peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his eyes, his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So during this COVID season, it's been a really interesting season for, for me uh, personally. Uh, I've recognized there's some things in my life that thank the Lord he pointed out that I could work on during the season. I'm probably the only one, so that's okay. You know, I haven't had great favor with our neighbors in the past. Um, you know, when I moved into my last house, um, I remember when we moved in. When we moved into that place, uh, Joel, a good friend of mine, goes to Love City Church. Hi, Joel. He parked his truck in front of our house, and the back end of his tail of his truck was right over the driveway. And my neighbor came out. I mean, I had been there maybe five minutes. He came out, and he walked up to me and said, What kind of despicable person are you to park in front of my driveway. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being attacked by a devil. Now, if you're watching, I don't think you're a devil. I've forgiven you. You're just a normal man. But still, in this moment, it was like, oh my gosh. And, and if you know Joel, Joel is a pretty like great guy. Like He barely has ever any ill intentions unless he's making fun of me. And then it's just pure evil. But most of the time, Joel's the nicest guy I've ever met. Let's just be real. He's the sweetest heart. He's sweetest heart ever. He's got a tender heart. He does not have hard bowels. Um, but he's a wonderful guy. And Joel 
Joel didn't mean to do this, but the guy came out, he's so angry and he was upset. And that was how I started my relationship with my neighbor. And then uh, we were in the back alley and there was this guy going by who was looking for cans. And I, I felt bad for him. I felt compassion for him. So I gave him a bag of cans and I said, sir, there's a bunch of garbage in that bag. That's my garbage. Why don't you let me throw it away in my garbage can? And he said, no, 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 I got it. I'll, I'll throw it away somewhere else. I said, okay. So the next day I'm standing outside on the front of my porch and just kind of looking at the beautiful tree. And this gentleman comes out marching along like this and he's got it in his hand. And I hate to admit this, folks. So Brea, if you're watching, forgive me, but it was Brea's crafts. <laughs> it was Brea's crafts. And it had her name on it, Brea, Ezra. And at that moment, I realized this is not a great fathering moment, but um, he walked up to me and said, who is Brea? Who is Ezra? And I said, oh, those are my, my kids. He's like, why was this in my garbage can? And I thought, oh my gosh. And I realized, oh my gosh, it was in the bag of cans. So I went out back and I said, sir, I'm so sorry. And I got into his garbage can and I pulled out the garbage and I put it in my garbage can. And then I went to grab his garbage, just as a good measure, just as to go the extra mile. I grabbed his garbage to throw it in my garbage can. He slaps my hand and says, don't touch my garbage. <laughs> and that was my moment with this man. And later, like we lived there about a year. Every single time I went outside, I was just hunkered down into my seat and I didn't want him to know that I was there. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I don't care how long it takes. I'm just going to survive this relationship. <laughs> I don't ever want to speak to this man again. I'll sneak outside and the kids come out and they make noise in our backyard. I'm like, shh, the neighbor's outside. Shh, because I don't want this man to talk to me ever again. And it was like the craziest experience. And uh, we, we ended up mending that a little bit. My wife generally mends all these relationships because she's a sweetheart. But um, but at the beginning of the season, you know, I, uh, we had an encounter with our neighbor. And honestly, I felt God really speak to me. I felt him prompt my heart and say, Ryan, you're preaching on thriving, not surviving. You got to learn how to th thrive in your relationships when it's hard. Because all I wanted to do was just kind of hunker in my backyard and not ever really see me. And I'm going to live here for the next 30 years. And, you know, every time she comes outside, I drop real quick. And I realize I can't just survive anymore. I got to make a decision. I got to make this right. Now, I'm going to get real with you for a moment. My wife and I had a little bit of a hard time too. And, and she's in the room today. So she has no opportunity to give her side of the story. So I have the mic. So I'm just going to share my side. No, I'm just kidding. So it started. And the truth is this. I was really selfish. The truth is I was used to living in the house by myself. Kids were at school, stuff was at school. I worked from home. Now there's everyone in the house. So I was being super selfish, not wanting to help out around the house and do those things. Steph was there. She was super anxious about her job, so she was kind of projecting that on me. And it just came to a head. And honestly, we would just kind of go to bed at different times and we just kind of didn't really want to talk to each other. And it was just like this under under the you know, under the surface simmering of frustration and, and resentment towards one another. Not big resentment, but you know what I mean? Just like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. And I realized something that, like, wow this COVID experience, we're going to be, we could be stuck in the house together for a long time. I better deal with this. Now, what you could do, which many of us are doing, is just press the autopilot button. And what you do is you just settle into the fact, and I'm going to talk about marriage for a minute, where, you know what, I, I love this person and I'm going to be with them and we'll sleep in the same bed and we'll eat at dinner time. But the truth is, we're just roommates. We're not really going to be romantically in love. We're not really going to engage one another. We're not really going to have deep conversations. I'm not going to really go there with my business. I'm just going to keep doing my problems. And I just want to survive this relationship until the kids get out of the house and then I'll figure out what's next. The reality is, is that you and I have to make a personal decision. Sometimes we're waiting for God to just, God to come and do something. Well, listen, you got to make the choice. 
You got to decide. Today, I am not going to survive my marriage any longer. I'm not going to survive with my neighbors any longer. I'm not going to survive with my family or my in-laws any longer. No, 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 no. We are called to thrive in our relationships. We are called to engage and pursue peace. Why? The Bible says, we talked today, you will experience a blessing. You'll thrive. And so, what I want to do is I want to give you three thoughts today from this verse. And here's the first verse in 1 Peter 3. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. So if you're taking notes today, or it'll pop up on the screen below me, the first one is this. You'll thrive in your relationships uh, when you allow yourself to feel again. You say, what does that mean? You will thrive in your relationships if you allow yourself to feel again. Now this here verse says, it says to sympathize with each other. It says to love one another, to be soft in your bowels, to be tender-hearted towards one another. The author is saying it's time for you to start feeling again. Because what happens is in our relationships, when we get hurt in our relationships, guess what we stop doing? I am not going to allow my emotions to come out because I don't want to get hurt again. And so we pull our emotions and our love and our sympathy and our compassion and our tenderheartedness. We put it at bay because every time I feel, I get hurt. And what he's saying here, he says, you need to learn it's time for you to feel once again in relationships, whether it's with your family or your neighbors or your spouse. You have to recognize something that in order for you to have a thriving relationship, there has to be the ability to feel, to put yourself in their shoes, to sympathize with what they're going through, to be a heart of tenderness, to know that, man, they didn't mean to say it like that, or that wasn't their intention. Or what we realized about our neighbor was that she's probably afraid. She's probably experiencing fear. Probably isn't about my religion or about me. She just doesn't know how to deal with it. And we realize there might be something else going on. And so my wife helped me understand that. Like, Ryan, we don't know what's going on in her world. We don't know what's... She had sympathy. I was unwilling to have sympathy. I was... Because you know what? I've been here before. Last neighbor, he yelled at me because I asked someone else put trash in their garbage can. I'm not going to go through this again. No way. But I realized we have to allow ourselves to feel once again. He says, be of one mind. Have sympathy towards one another. Be tenderhearted towards one another. Have compassion towards one another. Love one another. So right now we're reading a book with our staff called I Didn't See It Coming by Carrie Newhoff. And the very first section of this book talks about cynicism. And what cynicism is, is cynicism is when you look at a similar situation or experience a similar situation and you project onto that person or onto that situation a negative past. So let's just for a moment say someone comes into the back of a church. And as a pastor, I look at this person and oh, it looks like so-and-so and it smells like so-and-so. Oh, I bet they're just like so-and-so. So instead of giving this person the opportunity to be who they are, I've already projected on them and I'm a cynic about who they are. Cynicism settles into our heart when we do not allow ourselves to feel. Now what the book teaches, which I think is a great book to pick up, is that what the cynicism is the killer of hope. 
That when you are not, when you are cynical, you do not allow yourself to have hope. I can't have hope that that pastor's not going to hurt me anymore. I can't have hope that this is going to be okay. I can't have hope that our relationship, I'm going to fall in love again. I can't have hope that my neighbor's not going to hurt me again. Cynicism says, I cannot hope for a thriving life. I just got to survive. And he says the counterattack to cynicism is curiosity. The idea that you can begin to Consider in your mind, what would it look like if my wife and I fell in love again? What would it look like if my neighbor gave their life to Jesus? What would it look like if my in-law, who I don't really like, their heart softened and my heart softened and we were able to engage in relationships? What, would it, what happens is, as you begin to be curious, what happens is hope begins to fill in your heart. Faith begins to stir for that relationship that had gone dead. You allow yourself to feel again and sympathy and compassion and love begins to well up in your heart again and you begin to experience what a thriving life in relationships look like. It's called emotions. It's called feelings. It's called connection. It's called brotherly and sisterly love. It's called compassion and tenderly kindness and all of these things. These are the expressions of our feelings and so I want to encourage you today, check your heart. Are you a cynic? I know for me, I'm a bit of a cynic, just being real. I lend towards cynicism. And any of my friends will know that I sometimes can, Wah! cynicism, but I'm working on it. And one of the ways for me to keep from being a cynic is to recognize that this is an expectation as a follower of Jesus to allow curiosity to stir my spirit. Say, okay, God, what could you do in this situation or in this relationship, what could you breathe to life? Let's look to the second one here. First Peter 3, 9 and 10 says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do and he will grant you his blessing. Now this is a cool, a cool thought. The second idea here is you'll thrive in your relationships when you pursue peace. You will thrive in your relationships when you Pursue peace. Look what it says here. Don't repay evil. Don't retaliate. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. He says, firstly, this is what you're called to do. But secondly, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a blessing. See, we have to recognize something about this verse is that when Peter in this verse is talking, he actually uses scripture to define what that word blessing is. I love this. He says, okay, you're going to experience a blessing. But now let me go back to the author David. Let me go back to the character David. Let me dig into Psalms chapter 34. And let me just use this verse to help you understand what a blessed life looks like. And then he begins, to, he continues to read in his verse. He says this, for the scripture says, Psalms 34, written by David, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, and then he goes on to say that he's defining what blessing is. He's saying, listen, if you pay back others who hurt you with blessing and don't retaliate and don't insult, but you pursue peace, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be blessed. What is blessing? That means you're going to have an enjoyable life. You're going to live a long life. The Bible says that you're going to see many good days. Come on, how many of you want some good days, right? How many of you want some sunshiny days and some happy days and some thrilling days? That is the promise from God for your life, that you will be blessed. And the definition of blessing in this verse is that you're going to have an enjoyable, happy, good life. It won't be perfect, that's for sure. But you and your relationships will experience joy peace and excitement, but it starts with you making peace. 
you taking a step forward, you going towards these individuals that might cause a bit of friction in your life. And this blessing that we experience, he says, okay, this is how you experience it. And he says, okay, uh, watch your tongue. Don't, don't lie. Don't speak evil. Make sure you spend your life on good things and not evil things. And look what he says here. He says, and in your relationships, search for peace. Seek after peace. And when you find it, maintain it. So keep the peace. Things get out of kilter. You got to go pursue it. You say, well, but they hurt me. It doesn't matter. I have a rule in my life. It doesn't matter if they've hurt me or I've hurt them. I'm going to them no matter what. It doesn't matter. Because I have an opportunity either to humble myself and say sorry, or I have an opportunity to go to somebody and say, hey, I was hurt, and give them the opportunity to come back to me and say, you're right, I did, I'm sorry. That did That's called reconciliation of friendship. That's called reconciliation of relationship. And what happens when you do that, when you search for it, and you pursue it, and you seek after it, the Bible says now you have to maintain it. This expectation is on you and me to recognize that you and I have been called to go after it. Here's the third thought today. You'll thrive in your relationships when you focus on your future, not your past. You'll focus in your relationships when you focus on your future, not what's happened in your past. The, 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 the author of this, of this book, Peter, is Peter of the, the Gospels. Remember the story of Peter? Peter was told, Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me three times. And G Peter says, I'm going to die for you, Jesus. I would never deny you. I'm your biggest fan. Jesus is being on trial, being accused of a, a crime he did not commit. And Peter's outside in the, the courtyard of the, of the courthouse warming himself up next to a fire and a 13 year old girl comes up to him and says hi aren't you with Jesus I am not with Jesus freaks out three times he did that he was embarrassed about what this teenage girl thought of him completely rejected this guy who he said I would be there for you Jesus he completely stabbed Jesus in the back completely stabbed him in the back three times betrayed him and then it says in the scripture that Jesus or I'm sorry Peter went away and wept bitterly so this is Peter who wrote this. Peter was not a great friend. Peter was not a great husband in this, or wife, or neighbor. Peter was the offender in this story. And we see here that in, in the story of Peter, Jesus was then crucified, killed, put in a grave, and then he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that Peter ran back to the tomb to see if Jesus was there when he heard that he had risen from the dead. It says he walked in the tomb, and the Bible very clearly says that Peter walked in the tomb, looked around, and he left wondering what had happened. So he didn't absolutely have the faith to believe that God rose from the dead. He just looked in there and thought, well, I wonder what's happened to Jesus. And then he decided, you know what? Whatever. I went to his tomb to try to make it right. Whatever. I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going to step back into my old way of life. I'm going to step back into my old way of thinking. I used to be a fisherman, but now I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I spent my whole life invested in the life of Jesus. But you know what? Whatever. I'm going back. I don't care. I'm going to go fishing. And he's out there fishing. And as you know in the scripture, in John chapter 21, here comes Peter, or here comes Jesus, calls out to these people, Hey, you guys, did you catch anything? And they yell, No, we didn't catch anything. And then they realize that it was Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus made a point to come all the way from wherever he was to walk along the shore to pursue Peter because he wanted to remind him of his future, not of his past. And when Peter came to the shore, he swam to the shore really quickly. He jumped out of the boat, came to the shore. The Bible, if you read the scripture, you would think that if he came to the shore, Peter would be like, Jesus, I am so sorry, man. Or maybe like, hey, Jesus, what's up, bro? You know, like you have an offense between someone and you pretend like it's not there. It's really awkward. You're like, hey, man, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm doing really well. I made a lot of money this year. You know, <laughs> you know, like my marriage is like the best it's ever been. You know, got a new car. Yeah, whatever. Move motorcycle. It's good, bro but whatever, bro, I'll see you later, okay? Like, you know what I mean? We kind of like, you know, when we're in a relationship, I don't know what girls do, but girls, you know, they probably just talk by each other's backs or I don't know what they do, but, you know. But you know what I mean? Like, when you got something between you, you never, you're not really, you're just kind of like projecting, what's up, bro, you know? I just imagine in that moment that when Peter would come to the shore, it would be Jesus say, you know what, Peter? You screwed up, bro. Let's talk about the past. You stabbed me in the back. I told you we were going to do that, man. I told you you were going to let me down. I told you you were going to screw me in the back. I knew you were going to do it, man. So let's have it out right now. Jesus didn't even say a word. All Jesus did. Actually, cooked breakfast for him, which I thought was kind of cool. He had a broiled fish ready. They were out. They couldn't catch any fish, and Jesus just manufactured one right there. Fish, get on the grill. You know having breakfast together. So the first thing he did with him is he had breakfast with him and then he put his arm around Peter. He said, hey, Peter. And Peter's probably thinking, okay, here we go. Here's the moment. Here's the big bombshell. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, Jesus, I love you. Hey, just feed my sheep. Okay. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you, Jesus, but just, just worry about your future. Feed my sheep. But Jesus, do you love me, Peter? No, but Jesus, remember, do you love, Peter, do you love, do you, do you want to have a relationship with me? Are we good? We're good, Jesus. Let's worry about your future. Let's worry about tomorrow. See, the reason many of us struggle in our relationships and we survive is because all we're doing is thinking about the things that happened to us in the past when all Jesus wants us to do is thinking about what's going to happen to us in the future. We always worry about, especially in marriage. Oh, you know, the uh, 1 Corinthians 13, love does not keep a record of wrong. Well, how many of you know we're really bad at keeping records of wrong? You get into a fight with your spouse. You're like, you know, you say something like, yeah, but you did this, 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 this. I'm like, that was 50 years ago. It's like, yes, I know, but still it hurt. Yes, but you got to let go of those things and recognize that as followers of Jesus, we are not people who live in the past. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I aspire to know Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. I just want to have a relationship with Jesus and I want nothing else to matter. And he says, you know what? I have not attained all this yet. I haven't reached the place where my life is fully about acknowledging Christ. I want it to be. But there is one thing that I do. I forget about my past and I press forward the high calling of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So we got to recognize something that if you want to thrive in your relationships today, you want to thrive in this season of COVID, you want to thrive with your in-laws, you want to thrive with your neighbors, you want to thrive with this guy you're dating or this girl you're dating, you want to, there's three things you got to remember. You got to first, you got to allow yourself to feel again, have tenderhearted, be compassionate, allow yourself to be a bit vulnerable and recognize that you might get hurt again, but that's just a part of the process. It's just a part of the journey. Allow yourself to feel again. Allow yourself to feel again and let the Holy Spirit come and begin to minister to your heart, minister to your life. Come on, you gotta remember that in, this, in the relationship, relationships, as a follower of Christ, it's on you and me to be a blessing to others. We should not wait for others to do it to us. 
And the Bible says that if you do that, you will receive a blessing. You'll enjoy life. You'll have, it says you'll have a happy life. It says your life will go good for you. You'll have many good days. And come on, lastly, Jesus wants you to, in your relationships, not base them on the past, base them on the future. Those are the type of relationships that thrive in this season. God calls you to pursue others, but you need to know something about Jesus in that story of Peter. Jesus was pursuing Peter. And in the same way that, that we need to pursue people for peace and maintain peace and keep that relationship, Jesus is doing the same thing for you. Every single day, every single hour, every single minute, He is pursuing you. He is seeking after you. He wants peace with you. He wants to be right with you. You might be thinking today, I made too many mistakes. I felt too short. I didn't make it. I'm not good enough. Listen, Jesus today, He pursues you and He wants to maintain a peaceful, life-giving relationship with you today right now, in this moment, all we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says that you'll be saved. That means He is absolutely pursuing you and wants to know you, wants a relationship with you, wants to bless you, wants to fill you, wants to transform you. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to do that for you. He wants to heal you of brokenness. He wants to heal you of your hurts on the inside with your marriage or your neighbors. He wants to heal you and He wants to restore you. He wants to bring His anointing oil and just smother that in your heart and your emotions and say, it's okay, son and daughter. I know it hurts, but I want to heal you. I want to forgive you. I want to set you free. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to transform your life. God ministers to your heart today. And that today you'll make a decision to go mend that relationship with whoever it might be in your life that you need to mend that with and thrive, not just survive. I'm just going to pray for you today if you're an unbeliever and maybe you don't know God and maybe you're far from Him today and maybe you're watching today and you say, man, I really like what we're talking about today and you want to know Him. Mm -hmm. Let me just quickly walk you through a prayer and then Steph will pray for everybody else. Um, you know, all you have to do, the Bible says, is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart you're saved. Mm -hmm. Very simple. We have a long prayer. Generally, we do just, but the truth is, all you have to do right now is just say, Jesus, come into my life. Yeah. And I, I, I want you to come into my life and I, I, I want to serve you and I want to follow you and I, I want to I get on the right path. I want to follow after you. If one of those statements stuck out to you, come on, just say that. Jesus, I confess with my mouth that I want you in my life and I want to give myself to you and I believe in my heart and I believe with my mouth that you are God. You say those words today, you're saved. Amen. And now what we want to do is just take a step towards being a part of a church where we can help you. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're not watching in Calgary today um, and you're in another state or another city, country. Find a great local church. Yeah. If you're here in Calgary, email us, info at lovecitychurch.ca. We'd love to get you connected to our church or a great church in the city yeah. that fits you and fits your, uh, your season of life. We love you. If you're watching today and um, you're, you need a prayer in your relationship, we want to pray with you real quick. Yeah. Steph's just going to pray for you. You're at home. You're a follower of Jesus. You need help in some sort of relationship. So Steph's just going to pray. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you um, truly do care, that you are so faithful, that you hear, that you listen, that you know exactly where we're at, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have such incredible plans for each person listening and watching today, Lord God, that you desire to bless them, that you desire for them to thrive in the situations that they're facing, that they're currently in, or the ones to come, Lord. You see, you're the God of the 
of the future and the past. Lord God, and you have great plans in store for all of us ahead. And so we just ask that you would give each person wisdom today, Lord. Would you grant them the wisdom that they need in order to navigate these seasons ahead with success, Lord? With success, not bumpy roads, Lord God, but wisdom and grace to deal with the good and the hard and the bad times, Lord God, and to see forward movement during the season, to see growth and truly a season of thriving. We thank you, Lord God. Would you be with each person today in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.